Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens and I'll be your host for this episode. In this episode, we're discussing something that we hope is never needed, but most likely will be part of each of our lives at some unexpected time in our lives. If you've lived very long at all, you know that being prepared for a situation can make the difference between an extremely stressful, life-threatening situation and one that is handled appropriately. What is our topic? I'm glad you asked. It's first aid and specifically first aid training. To discuss this topic, I have in the studio with me two ladies from the Antigua and Barbuda Red Cross. I have across from me Mrs. Sherry Joseph, the first aid director at the Antigua and Barbuda Red Cross, and beside her is Miss Carol Murray, a first aid instructor with 12 years of experience. Mrs. Joseph, let's start out with you. You've had over 13 years at the Red Cross in Antigua and Barbuda. Can you give me a brief overview of the Red Cross and what all is involved in your organization? Okay, thank you for having us, and it's a pleasure being here. The Antigua and Barbuda Red Cross is governed by seven fundamental principles. They are humanity, which means we are a non-profit organization who seeks to promote health and offer assistance where necessary. Impartiality, we offer help to everyone. Neutrality, we do not take sides in hostilities, and we offer to help everyone again. Independence, while we are an auxiliary to the government, they cannot dictate how we function. Voluntary service, we offer service voluntary and we do not accept bribes. Unity, there can be only one Red Cross or one Red Crescent in any country. We may have branches all over, but only one Red Cross. And universal, universality, we are all over the world providing assistance. We also have various departments at the Antigua Barbuda Red Cross. We have our administrative department, health and wellness, which covers first aid, cleanup campaigns, vector control, eradication, and all those kind of things. Disaster department, we offer assistance to fire victims where applicable. Earthquake, tsunami, hurricane, and wherever help is needed. We operate a thrift shop where persons donate items that should be useful to others. All that we ask is that the donations be in very good condition and something you wouldn't mind having. Thank you very much for that overview. And we know the Red Cross has been instrumental in a lot of assistance, whether yes. it be through fire victims relief or whether it be through Hurricane Irma. Let's talk about first aid certification. 
What is involved in becoming first aid certified? Okay, we offer a course that is primarily for 12 hours, but we break it down. If If it's in the evening, it's two hours per session, two days a week for three weeks. That's in the evening. But if you come in as a group and you request to have the training done during the day, we can organize a time frame that is convenient for you at a cost of 175 per person. Okay. At the end of the certification, um, you must make certain that you're, we, are, we have to make certain that you are competent in the practicals, especially the practicals and the theory. And once we are comfortable with that, we issue a certificate that is valid, valid for two years. And it is internationally recognized because we teach according to the American Red Cross standards. In order to, at the end of that two years, in order to be recertified, do I have to go through that whole course again or no, just take the a, test? We have a simple form of giving it and it's much easier. It's about a half an hour to an hour. I'm not a doctor, so why should I become certified in first aid? And yes. this is open for both of you at the same time if you want, <laughs> however you want to answer it. Um, I would say the importance of being certified as a first aider is because emergencies happen um, to everyone at the most inconvenience of times, and it instills in you a certain level of confidence that you would know how to respond when something happens. And it is important not only that you know how to respond, how to respond, but when to respond, because keeping you safe is also a primary concern of taking a first aid course. Your surf- your safety is number one. Yes, and there's also a chance that you may be at home alone and you may be experiencing certain things that you're not accustomed to. And if you're properly changed, you will know how to recognize these things and how to at least help to make the lesson until help arrives. Can you share with me some examples of some individuals who have been certified, gone through your courses, and then have reached back out to you and said, you know what, I'm so thankful that I became certified because I was able to assist a family member, I was able to assist someone. Yes, we had a lady who came there once. She said she was at Scotiabank, and someone fell ill, and she didn't know what to do, and the person died. So she came seeking assistance. And we helped her. She came with her sister. And um, what we didn't know at the time is that she had you know, a, a, pacemaker. a pacemaker. So when she told us that we had to know how to help her with the, the course, but unfortunately, she died before she was able to complete the course. Her sister, however, continued with the course, passed, and was able to administer help to a, another sibling of theirs. And she called and she said she thanked us so very much for the help that she received. That's what your course is all about, is being prepared. As I said in the introduction, Mm -hmm. it's always at the most inconvenient, unexpected times Mm -hmm. that emergencies come up. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you ladies coming in and discussing first aid with us. And as we're talking about first aid, we're all familiar with a first aid kit. Maybe Mm -hmm. we've seen it on the shelf at Woods Pharmacy, Mm -hmm. but we should have one in our house, Mm -hmm. likely in our vehicle, maybe at the workplace. What are some things that I should be looking at in my first aid kit? 
I would say to you the biggest thing to be looking at um, when you're t- talking about a first aid kit is to make sure that everything in there has not expired, that it's still in good condition, um, and knowing the contents. And it can be something as simple as having a couple of um, band-aids, a couple of sterile gauzes, um, definitely um, gloves, because you should not be administering first aid to anyone um, without having your personal protective equipment, your PPE, and the most key part of that is um, your gloves. So gloves may be a face shield, um, which is a breathing barrier. If, God forbid, you need to give CPR, you should have a breathing barrier before you administer um, resuscitative breaths. Um, And then simple things like a way to put clean water and also what are the emergency numbers in Antigua or wherever you happen to be in this world, uh, making sure that you have valid, up-to-date first aid response numbers in there is a very important part of your first aid kit as well. Um, I'd say that's the most basic kind. And then you can make it more advanced. For instance, in your car, you have to think about what if you get a burn from your radiator? Do you have anything to take care of that? Or you have something spill out of your engine and you didn't realize what it was. It was corrosive and it did damage to your skin. How do you resolve that? So it can get way more involved and way more intense. In your homes, it could be you're cleaning the dishes and something splashed into your eyes. So you need to flush your eyes out. Do you have something for that in your first aid kit? So it varies depending on the environment um, you're going to be taking care of injuries in. Um, and there's a full comprehensive list available through the Antique and Barbuda Red Cross, as well as online. And it will tell you exactly what is required per kit um, for your car, your home, um, and what would even be recommended in the workplace. I appreciate you mentioning that we need to make sure that it's not expired. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those kind of things, whether it's your smoke detector battery or whatever it may be, kind of out of sight, out of mind, you forget to check on it. Mm-hmm. Now that we're starting hurricane season, what better time to go ahead and make sure that our first aid kits are up to snuff and ready to go. Yes, and um, even the National Office of Disaster Preparedness, um, they have a list of what you should have ready to go because of the beginning of hurricane season, and a first aid kit is right there on there. And we have them available at the Red Cross here in Antigua, and please don't hesitate. Come and see us, and we'll be happy to assist you or offer you advice. And also the government is now coming on, on stream. They have seen the need for having their teachers certified, so they have collaborated with Red Cross and UNICEF, and they're having a teacher's training at the moment. Okay. Glad to hear that. Ladies, I would love, at the end of this 30-minute interview, to be able to have all of our listeners all throughout the Eastern Caribbean certified in first aid. But I know that's not doable. There are limitations to what we can do over the radio. But I would like to take some time and go through some do's and some don'ts of some different first aid scenarios So let's start out with the situation. I'm at home and a family member is working in the kitchen and they cut their finger or their hand quite significantly. There's a significant amount of blood. In the spur of the moment, my instinct is I don't like blood, so I'm going to kind of go into panic mode. Mm -hmm. But what should I do? How should I proceed? Um, I'll take that one. That's a really simple, basic one. Number one thing to do, don't panic. (laughs) Um, Once you've accomplished that, you are 90% successful. Um, The other 10% is basically common sense. We all do it anyway without even thinking about it. Um, Get the person who has been injured to apply pressure to the point of the injury. Um, In the meantime, put on your gloves because we never touch anyone um, and get involved with bodily fluids without wearing our gloves, personal protective equipment always key. Um, Once you have on your gloves, keep on telling them to apply pressure. Go to your first aid kit that you hopefully have in your kitchen. (laughs) That's not expired. And get sterile gauze and sterile dressing. Cover the womb. 
with your sterile gauze and wrap it with the dressing. And if deemed appropriate, as in the bleeding has not stopped for 10 to 15 minutes, seek advanced medical attention. Um, it can be calling 911 or, if you feel comfortable enough, transporting them to the nearest uh, medical facility to receive treatment. How do you know if the bleeding is serious enough that you need to immediately call 911? Um, the bleeding, if it's significant enough that you have to change your, you have to adhere more dressing and it's not being five minutes, um, or the patient, person starts to exhibit signs of shock, which will be dizziness, um, fainting, um, confusion, sweating, um, discoloration of their skin, anything that is outside of the norm for that person, that's a clear sign that advanced medical attention is required. Contact EMS. One thing you do not do is you do not take off that, that gauze you have there. You continue to apply more gauze on top. Do okay. not take it off. Just continue to apply direct pressure and, and put it on. What's the reason for that? Um, because you're taking off that, you're pulling out skin, and you have to, the doctors need to look at it. They need all the, 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 the information there when they look, so they will know how to take it off and what okay. to look for. All right. Thank and you. You. Ha you have to also think about the fact that anytime you put on a dressing and you're applying pressure, your body's going to start to clot in its own. And if you go and you rip off that first dressing, you're just pulling away the clotting. So it's going to cause the bleeding to become profuse all over again. So just keep on adding, as Mr. Joseph said, just keep on adding more on top. Oh, just keep on going. <laughs> Let's make a slight change in this scenario. I'm driving between here and town, mm -hmm. and I come across someone who has just driven off the road, had an accident, and they are getting out of their vehicle and they are bleeding. Walk me through what I should do, what I should not do. Um, I actually, I had this happen to me, not here in Antigua, um, in Toronto, minding my business going home on Finch and bad motorcycle accident. Um, the first thing I would say is tell them don't move because they may think that they're okay because adrenaline has now kicked in. They themselves are in shock and they do not ex understand or realize the extent of their injuries. So the first thing I would say is don't move. I'll introduce myself. Um, let them know who I am, what my training is, and that I am there to help them get their consent because you never touch anybody without their permission first. Um, it's just not okay. <laughs> so get their consent to assist them. Um, again, make sure you put on your personal protective equipment, your gloves. And the biggest thing for any sort of bleeding is apply pressure. Tell them to apply pressure while you get yourself sorted out. And once you get there, apply pressure by putting on a whole bunch of sterile gauze and making sure that somebody, either yourself or another bystander, has called 911. Anytime there is any sort of vehicular incident, don't even hesitate. Just call 911 because it might not look like a big deal from the outside, but you don't know what's happened internally and you can't judge that. So the best thing to do is to contact 911, apply pressure, keep the person as calm as possible, give them as much reassurance as you possibly can, and stay with them until EMS has arrived. What about, you said, don't touch anyone without their consent. What if the person is unconscious? Well, that's the great thing. Um, once they're unconscious, they've already given you consent. Because the general rule is that if they could speak, they would be saying, please help me, please help okay. me. So the moment somebody becomes unconscious, you have what is referred to as implied consent, where you go ahead and do what you need to do. I would still say make sure you introduce yourself and you state your qualifications for anybody else that's in the vicinity so that they know that you are not assaulting the victim. So they are aware that you are there to assist and not to do further harm. What about the scenario where someone is having breathing problems, maybe an allergic reaction or a suspected allergic reaction? How should I proceed? You look at them and you tell them, 
be calm. Because they're going to start to hyperventilate. Just be calm. Ask them, are you allergic to? Then you ask them, do you have your medication with you? If they say yes, you ask them, can I assist you after you've identified yourself? They say, yep. You take it. If they can't administer it, ask them if they want you to administer it. And if they say yes, you just administer it. And you monitor them. But if it continues for a longer period, then maybe five to ten minutes, you always call 911 because that's a, that's how we can call a care for a situation. So you make sure that EMS is alert, alerted and then do what you have to do. Everyone knows the number in Antigua is 911. But in, let's say, England, it's 999. So you need to know what number to call. And then you continue to monitor them and just reassure them. Now, there are some folks who are allergic to peanuts. So they have to be careful when they go to a certain place and they're going to buy certain food to ask, do you have peanuts in your sauce? Some folks are allergic to um, the bananas. Some, funny enough, mangoes. Um, I find that kind of strange, but mangoes. So. Yes, but we, you, you need to know how to administer help and just keep them calm. And there are some cases that you do not give them any water because they may vomit. What about the scenario where I'm allergic to something, so I have an EpiPen that I carry with me. Mm-hmm. I come across an individual who obviously is having some sort of constricted airway mm-hmm. and is struggling. Uh, is it ever advisable for you as a bystander, even if they are asking for you to help, to administer an EpiPen if they don't know if they're allergic to something? I'm going to answer that one for you. No, you're not a doctor. You're not a pharmacist. Um, you are not allowed to administer medication at all. Um, and on top of that, your prescription for your epinephrine mm-hmm. might be different, different from what yeah. they need. And on top of that, or they may have an allergy to that particular formula- formulation of epinephrine, and you wouldn't know that. Um, so the best thing you can do is keep them as calm as possible, keep on monitoring their airway, their, breathe- their breathing, and their circulation, as in their heart rate, if possible, and make sure that 911 has been called. There is nothing else you can do in that situation. We never share our medication with anyone at any time, ever. <laughs> you were talking about keeping monitoring their airway. Walk me through CPR. Okay. Um, it's it's something that is really best seen. It's very hard to describe it, but I'll do my best with words. Yeah. Um, so everybody's heard the scenario ABC. When you're doing first aid, it's always ABC, ABC, ABC. And what that stands for, A is for airway, B is for your breathing, and C is for circulation. Now, when I'm talking about your airway, I'm talking about the way that air gets into your body. There's only two ways that air is supposed to go through your body if you're, you know, in general good health, and that's through your nose and through your mouth. So what you're going to do is literally go up to the person, put your hand on their forehead, put your two fingers onto their chin, and tilt their head as far back as it would possibly go without you breaking their neck. (laughs) And then you're going to take your head and you're going to put it down over their nose so that your cheek is over their nose and your eyes are looking towards their chest. And you're going to just look. You're going to look, listen, and feel. So you're going to be looking at their chest because it should be going up and down if they're breathing. You're going to listen because that close you should be able to hear them breathing through their nose. And you're going to feel their breath on the side of your face. And that's A. That's A and B handled all together. That's airway opened and breathing monitored. C is circulation. Now circulation is 
you're literally making sure that the blood is moving around the body and not out <laughs> of the body. Okay. So that includes ble- um, bleeding as well. So look, literally use your eyes, use your senses. The only sense you do not use really in first aid is the sense of taste. All the others are engaged. <laughs> so you're going to engage all of your senses. So you're going to look and make sure that, again, you're seeing their their chest moving up and down, which is indicative of you know, their heart beating and their lungs filling and expelling. You're also going to look and make sure there are no visible signs of bleeding, so they should not be leaking in any way. Um, and then on a paler person, a younger person, or even an older person, you might even be able to see the throbbing of their carotid artery in the side of their neck. That's why I said engage all of your senses. You can touch them. They should feel warm. A normal person who has good circulation, their skin feels nice and warm and dry. Not overly dry, but not overly wet either, but it's definitely warm. So they should not be feeling clammy or cold. Then that tells you something is not right here. And again, if something is wrong with your airway or something is wrong with your breathing or something is wrong with circulation, there's no question of what you need to do. Call 911. Choking. How do I proceed in this situation? I'm at a restaurant and I notice someone who is eating by themselves and they are obviously beginning to choke. Maybe we should start with what are some signs of choking? That may sound <laughs> elementary, but... Mm-hmm. Well, you see the person, this is the sign for choking. They have the hand by the throat and, they, and you can look at the face and see that they're panicking and their eyes look bulgy and they <laughs> have problems breathing. And then you can go over and say... Um, it's a piece of your choking. You identify yourself. Do you want me to assist you? And they will mm. they may nod their head and all. They may shake their head because some people, if they say they don't want to help you, leave them alone. But okay. once they, most of the time, they will say yes. They will just nod their head and you go ahead and go through the procedure that we do. Um, as she said earlier, it's, it's, it's easier shown how it's done than actually saying. But you have to first, you put, you get to come alongside at the side of the person. You put one hand up over by the, the neck, you lean the person over and you use the back of the hand and you tap the back part. And then, or you come up again and you put your hand here by the, the navel and you make a fist and it's an inward and upward motion. Try to get the object out. So that would be like the hind leg maneuver. Right. Yes. It's actually now referred to as the abdominal mm-hmm. thrust. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say to you again, this is common sense. All of us have seen this. Anybody who is a parent in this world who's had a child who has choked, the first instinctive response is to grab them and well, start slapping them on the back. <laughs> and that has actually been proven to work. So it has been incorporated into the first aid for choking. And that's why we give five firm back blows. So when your mom's smacking the living bejesus out of you in your back, she was actually trying to just lodge the food. Who knew? <laughs> Right. And then you do um, the abdominal thrust. Again, it's not something that I would advise someone who has not been trained Mm -hmm. to do because you can do harm to someone if it's done incorrectly. So, again, if you are uncertain or you're not trained, Mm -hmm. call 911. Make sure somebody else in the vicinity knows that something's wrong because maybe there is somebody who's there who has been trained properly who would know how to do it. And in the meantime, Smack them on the back as hard as you can because you will cause some sort of movement either up or down because it doesn't matter whether the object comes back up or that it goes down. We just need it to move from where it is because it's blocking the airway, and this, that's a problem. This would be an appropriate time for you to share with us, how can I get signed up for a first aid training course? Because I'm quickly learning <laughs> that I don't know everything that I need to know. Well, you just call the Antigua and Barbuda Red Cross. 
You can speak to either the administrative assistant or ask to be transferred to the first aid department to speak to the director, and we give you all the information you need. Yeah. What is the phone number for the Antigua and Barbuda Red Cross? You can get through to us as area code 268-462-0800. And we are usually in office anywhere between 8.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, what about, real quickly, the scenario of okay. drowning? We are an island, mm-hmm. and many listeners within our listening area are also living on islands, and there's the beach, and it's summertime, and it's the time of year where we enjoy being in the water. Mm-hmm. What are some drowning symptoms? What should we be looking for, and how should we proceed through that scenario? Okay, well, the biggest um, sign that something is wrong when somebody is in the water is that they will be frailing around, they'll be screaming, they'll be trying to get attention. You'll see them go under, and then you'll see them come back up panicked. Um, The best thing you can do for that situation is, number one, make sure that somebody has notified the appropriate authorities. If there is a lifeguard on duty, make sure that they know and they are coming to respond. The next thing is, if you are not a strong swimmer or you have not received any sort of first aid or life-saving water safety training, don't going to the water because somebody who's drowning is ridiculously strong there is so much adrenaline pumping through their body because they're in a fight or flight situation in their brain and they will pull you under many instances have occurred right here in Antigua and throughout the Caribbean where the drowning victim survived their rescuer end up drowning hmm. so be careful if you feel confident enough to go into the water go in and get them out if they happen to come out and they are unconscious the best thing you can do is have them laying flat on their back on the sand of course making sure that the EMS have been notified and they are on the way. That's the biggest thing I want to emphasize. Make sure that advanced medical attention is coming. Um, Check their airway, exactly how I described previously. Hand on forehead, two fingers on chin, tilt back. Look, listen, and feel. If you don't feel anything, you don't hear anything, and you're not seeing anything, then you're going to need to start to do CPR. Now, the biggest thing is this. If you, again, are not trained in CPR, you're not going to do it correctly because you're not going to know where you need to put your hand. You're not going to know how many chest compressions you need to give. So that's, again, where training is very important. If you're not trained, find out if somebody else who's there is trained because what that person needs desperately is for oxygenated blood to start moving around their body and getting to the most important organ in your body which is your brain and that can only be done through chest compressions and chest compressions are done in the center of the tress um, in line with the nipples and you're going to do 30 of them as hard as you possibly can now When I say as hard as you possibly can I'm going to quantify that by saying it varies between a baby a child, and an adult, because you're going to go different depths on different sized people. You also know what, need to know what age groups those are. So again, that is why training is so significant, because you can end up doing more harm than good. If you are unsure what to do, biggest thing is stay there, monitor them, make sure as soon as you recognize that something was wrong, that 911 has been called. Now, ladies, we are quickly running out of time. We have about three minutes left in the program. Any misinformation out there on first aid that you'd like Mm -hmm. to correct or maybe anything else you'd like to add about first aid? Um, I will come in here first because 
I just came back to Antigua from North America and um, the heat is still affecting me. So I'm going to talk about heat emergencies because that to me is a big deal. And with um, so many people coming to visit our lovely islands during the summer months, especially for carnival and our other summer events, it's a good idea to mention heat emergencies. A cold beer does not cool you off. <laughs> That's the biggest rule. That's a misconception. And just because you're wearing a swimsuit or a pair of shorts and a tank top does not mean you're going to stay cool because it's not about them. It's not about the amount of clothing you're wearing. It's about your hydration. And the best thing to hydrate yourself with is what the good Lord provided, water. water. <laughs> so drink as much water as you possibly can. Make sure you wear your SPF. Actually covering up is a better idea than not having on a lot of clothes because if you can protect yourself from the sun, that way you'll protect yourself from taking in that extra heat and just be sensible. Just be sensible. Stay out of the heat if you don't have to be in the hot sun during the hottest part of the day. Drink lots of water, wear your sunblock, and do not consume alcohol, especially if you know you're going to be outside. It's a bad idea. Alcohol and the sun do not work well together. So that's the biggest thing I want to tell you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking at the, another aspect. If you get a cut, sometimes, you know, they say they put on butter. Don't put butter on cuts. Don't put... That's a, that's a, that's a myth. You just put your hand under the water if you're alone, and then you take it out, you just apply the direct pressure. The best thing to do is to be first a train to get rid of all the myths and know all the facts. That's the only way that you can sensitize yourself and the public, and that is the job that we're on to get as many persons as possible trained in first aid, because only, as I tell people, only what you are trained in, you are allowed to practice on. So if you're not trained in how to give CPR, but you're trained in how to administer first aid itself, that's all you're trained to do. Okay? And I, we are so thankful that we're here today so we can speak to you and let everyone know the importance of first aid. Yes. Thank you very much for the opportunity to share um, our knowledge. Greatly appreciated. Yes. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or Lighthouse, B-I-M-I, at gmail.com. Or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454. Or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code 268-782-1454. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.